This is Passport to Everywhere, an incredible worldwide journey as your host, Melissa Biggs Bradley, transports you to dream destinations, introduces you to extraordinary guests from all over the world, showcases the current state of travel, shares valuable insights, takes you behind the scenes at some of the most iconic hotels, and explores the future of travel. This is your Passport Passport to to everywhere. Everywhere. Today, my guest is Berta Gonzalez Nieves a force to be reckoned with. You may have heard of her referred to as the First Lady of Tequila, an epitaph well-earned. Berta is Mexico's first-ever female master tequila distiller. She's the co-founder and CEO of San Miguel de Allende-based tequila Casa Dragones, one of the most highly regarded small-batch tequilas on the market. Forbes magazine named her one of the 50 most powerful women in Mexico and Revista Expansión called her one of Mexico's top young businesswomen. Berta worked as an executive at Jose Cuervo International for a decade before launching Casa Dragones. And today the luxury label, recognized around the world, is focused on handcrafted, small-batch production and sustainable processes. Berta has created a truly smooth sipping product, but her brand is about much more than just good tequila. Berta is committed to Mexican craftsmanship and innovation, and she continues to explore new possibilities in the worlds of tequila, hospitality, artisanship, lifestyle, and beyond. Coming up on Passport to Everywhere, I'll be speaking with Berta Gonzalez Nieves, the co-founder and chief executive of one of the most highly regarded tequila brands, Casa Dragones, about how she started one of the top tequila brands in the world. Plus, stick around for my tips on traveling to San Miguel de Allende. Passport to Everywhere with Melissa Biggs Bradley will continue. Follow Melissa on Instagram at Indigari Founder. The journey continues. You're listening to Passport to Everywhere with Melissa Biggs Bradley. Okay, so Berta, I would love to just jump into your background. You are the co-founder and the chief executive of Casa Dragones. Can you tell us about how you ended up becoming the owner and the founder and the tequila maestra for one of the most highly regarded tequila brands in the world now? I fell in love with that tequila category growing up in Mexico and was selected by the Japanese government to represent Mexico in a program in Japan in my early 20s. And as part of my training, before going on this trip, I got invited to go to Tequila Jalisco and spend a couple of days in the agave fields and in different distilleries. And I fell in love with the production process, the beauty of the industry, the transformation of the plant into this incredible juice that's world-renowned. And then I got the chance to go to Japan and then really see in this program how you know the world sees Mexico through the eyes of the land. And I really decided then and there that I really wanted to dedicate my career to the tequila industry. And that's how I got into the industry. Ten years after being in the industry, I really had the dream of being an entrepreneur, really had the dream of my own tequila. And really expanding that tequila repertoire through craftsmanship and through passion and through really continuing to show the potential that the category has, the complexity that the plant has to offer. And also proving that tequila can compete in the luxury segment of the spirits. So I decided to become an entrepreneur. That's where it all started. It started from a place of passion, a passion for tequila, passion for Mexico, 
and also a passion for craftsmanship. You make it sound easy, and I know that it hasn't been. (laughs) And some of the things I'd love to unpack a little bit around just understanding how you got there is you talked about how the world saw Mexico and how you wanted to create a better understanding, I think, of what it is you love about Mexico and the craftsmanship and the history of the culture through tequila. And I think you've done an incredible job of that. But going back to your 20 year old self, what were the things that you wanted the world to know about Mexico that maybe they didn't? There's a lot of things that are Mexico that I think are cliches and that the country has a depth of sophistication, a richness of culture, of flavors, of geographies. That's the Mexico that I grew up in. That's the Mexico that I needed to be shown, needed to continue to be shown and celebrated. We do stand up for all of the cliches, you know, but also There's so many untold stories about Mexico that I feel that are important to be told from a culinary perspective, from a tequila perspective. When you look at the arts around the world, Mexico continues to have a very important presence in the art world, from contemporary art to literature, to film, to architecture, to design. And that's the Mexico we want to be part of. We want to be part of that effervescent creative culture and reflect it in that tequila category. That's fantastic. And knowing some of what I do, because I've been lucky enough to go to Casa Dragones in San Miguel and hear a bit the story, not just of your tequila, but the story of tequila. And I'd love to have you share that a bit with people who are not as familiar with the craft and the history of making tequila that is obviously uniquely Mexican. But would you share a little bit some of the history and the culture of what tequila really means? Yeah, I mean, tequila dates back to the Aztec culture. People were drinking fermented juice from agaves since then. This has been part of the culture for hundreds of years. And tequila, King Charles V, I think, was the one that gave the New Spain that permit to bring distillation to the New Spain. And I think that the culture of the production of vino mezcal started by then. And tequila is really part of the social fabric of Mexico. And I think agave spirits in general is really part of the social fabric. We celebrate with tequila. We get married with tequila. I think we get divorced with tequila too. (laughs) And I think that it's part of the Mexican table of the Mexican family. So it has so many different meanings on how we socialize and how we celebrate. There's a beauty of that, that we bring to the world and that we're sharing really truly our traditions and our heritage in a great way. And it's great to continue to tell that story, you know, as, as we evolve as a category. And in terms of what you particularly have done with Casa Dragones, you mentioned wanting to elevate it and really bring the sophistication of the spirit into the wider world. And you did that in in a couple of interesting ways. Will you talk about what makes Casa Dragones different from other tequilas in the market and not just in terms of its production, but in terms of its profile? When we founded the company, The way that the consumer interacts with categories today, consumers are more of explorers. I think in other generations, older generations, people chose one or two spirits that really represented them or one or two brands. Today, consumers are really in an exploration mode. If we do something truly unique that expands the taste profile and a story of craftsmanship profile in the category, we believe the chance to be part of their favorite repertoire. And in order to do that, we decided to make you know, the juice really the main actor of our company 
and make sure that we're truly expanding the tequila repertoire and going through explorations mode to bring new news, new techniques, new innovations to the category. We think that that's the way that we really truly connect with a consumer today. And that's the way that we differentiate our company. It's all about the quality of our tequila, the different tasting profile and um, of what we bring to the table and the exploration that we bring into the category, which we believe is also showing and widening the dimension of what's out there on the shelf. Yeah. So will you describe a little bit how the different profiles are? Because you've got a white tequila, right? And some of the things that you've introduced are slightly different. So for people who are new to the world of tequila, you know, what could be the exploration that they take with a Casa Dragones tasting? I'm going to start with one, our first product, which is Casa Dragones Joven. There's five official classifications of tequila in our appellation of origin. So you have Blanco, white tequila, rested, aged, extra aged, and Joven, which the Translation of that in English is young, but it really, really doesn't reflect what that is. It's just like technical definitions of the styles of tequila. And when we founded the company, we set on a quest to produce a true sipping tequila and also pairing with food. We wanted to make sure that tequila is not only a great companion to Mexican cuisine, but also can be participating in pairing dinners where you have champagnes, where you have wines, where tequila can also have a role there. We went on operation to figure out how to do that. We wanted to make sure even though the people involved in Casa Dragones well came from the industry, we decided to have a, we had a poster in Tequila Jalisco that says in order to create, we must forget so that we can actually give ourselves a chance to go and explore. And we found that this beautiful land of a Blanco tequila with a three-year-old extra age tequila enabled us to bring the sipping experience in a way where when people sipped it for the first time, would actually give us the opportunity to sip and savor. So you're getting the floral and the citrus notes of the Blanco tequila balanced with the sweetness and the spice of the extra aged tequila. And together, there's this beautiful marriage of aromas and flavors that are inviting people to sip and savor. And this is this style is an overlooked style in the tequila category. Most what you see on the shelf is white, rested, and aged tequila, which are beautiful styles. You know, Ourselves as entrepreneurs, we signed up to do this because we get part of our excitement and our gasoline from exploration. We're the ones that are like enjoying this exploration. If people enjoy our tequilas as much as we enjoy producing, I think we are doing a great job. So that's the first tequila that we brought to market. And the only tequila that we sold for the first five years of the history of our company, because we believe in the power of focus. And we also needed to understand that innovation not only is about the juice itself, about the product, our story, how we interact with the trade, how we actually partner with a trade to connect with a, with a consumer. And, um, and that really created the foundation of our company. That's amazing. Okay, so then what came next? What came next is that many of our clients and friends were saying, Roberta, we love your sipping tequila but you're very strict. We can't do many of the things that we love to do with tequila, like serving it on the rocks or doing signature cocktails, or even, you know, some people love to put tequila in the freezer, on the refrigerator, and said, when are you going to do something that we can play with, that has that quality and the craftsmanship of Casa Dragones that we can play with? And that's when we thought that we were having this beautiful relationship with chefs. Chefs were really giving us, international chefs and Mexican chefs, giving us the opportunity for pairings. But when we got to the mixologists and the bartenders, they love to drink tequila at the end of the night. 
uh, but they couldn't play with it. So we thought that the right next step for us was to deliver a Blanco tequila that came directly from distillation to expose the purity of our agave in our water and tell that story, which is really a very important story for any house, and that actually had the versatility to serve on the rocks or to do signature cocktails, of course, to drink it neat if people like it that way. And then we focused on bringing a Blanco tequila. The Blanco tequila of any house that comes directly from distillation is a very important expression. We thought that that was the right next step for us as a house. We're not really following any traditional route. It also has to do with our points of interest and where we really believe we have a route, we have identified a route for innovation. And that's why it's taken us 14 years to do four different styles because we really want to dedicate the time to exploration and then once we bring it to market, then dedicate the time to really see the product through. We want to be a house that is not just selling one style. Every one of our styles, we want to make sure that it has a commercial journey and that we can you know, touch different consumers because in that category, when you talk to people, you know, they define themselves. I'm a Blanco tequila drinker or I'm a Reposado drinker or I'm an Añejo drinker. So that's an opportunity for us to bring new news for that kind of um, tequila consumer and or them and seduce them to try something new. You know, for those that are the lover of Reposado, what if we seduce you to come and drink a Blanco and fall in love with it? And we think that that's where the opportunity is. And okay, so what's your favorite out of all tequila drinks? You know, we have four expressions, right? So I don't have a favorite. My favorite thing is to see people's expressions when they fall in love with our tequilas. That's my favorite sport. The width and the difference between all of the family members of Casa Dragones, they're really tequilas for different occasions. I really enjoy them in all of their differences and in all of the different occasions that they could be enjoyed in. And I know that after... 12 years, I think it was, you were awarded from the sort of Mexican authority of tequilas. You became the first tequila maestra, the very first female tequila distiller to receive that distinction. What did that mean to you? That, you know, meant a lot to me. And it still does. When I got my title, actually, we were about to bring to market Casa Dragones Joven, our first expression. And we're too when you see our bottles, you see a signature, it's BG. Uh, it's Berta Gonzalez and Benjamin Garcia when we didn't even have to fight who was going to sign the bottles because we have the same initials. Benjamin told me, why don't you go and get your title? I already have that role in your own company. Why don't you go and get your title? And I was, Benjamin, do I look like someone that has time to go and get titles right now? We were like building a business. We're building a company. We're about to come with our first expression to market. And he said, don't be stubborn. I called the Mexican Academy and they said that they were gonna, you know, that they would truly consider me. And when I got my title, it means a lot to me. It's a big responsibility in any tequila house to be a maestro tequilero. And then I realized shortly after when I was in a press interview, they asked me how many other women there is with a title. And I called the Academy and they said that I was, what did I mean? I was the first one and I didn't know that. That's really exciting. Because I think that if we can be an example for women in different industries, right, that you don't have to choose your professional career based on the possibilities of gender, that we can choose our careers based on true passion and interest in professionalism. And the title means a lot to me. I inject meaning to this every day of the history of Casa Dragones. Were there points during your 
tequila journey, the early days where you did feel that you were in an industry dominated by men and, and that you felt some of the maybe lack of acceptance or that you had to work harder to prove yourself? I think, you know, I was so obsessed in going to the tequila category that I never thought about gender. And then when I started in my career, I looked around second day in my, in my first job and I was like, oh, by the way, I was like, there's no women here or very few women. And I kind of like, not as eloquent as I'm going to say it now, so I was much younger, but I decided that I really wanted a seat at the table. And therefore I focused on making sure that my voice was going to count. And I put all of my energy there. And I really didn't want my gender to define my potential. So yes, have there been tough moments? There's still tough moments today, but I really don't want those moments to define where I can go. So I, you, you do build some sort of a callus and just move forward and make sure that you're leading with intellect and thought leadership rather than just uh, letting those challenges define where you're going. And on the sort of reverse of that, do you think that there are certain aspects because of your gender that have made you able to see different opportunities or push things that maybe you appreciate because you're a woman in terms of what tequila can be and do for people? I don't have any other perspective, <laughs> but uh, I believe so. You know, I certainly believe so. I think that this industry is so interesting, right? Because there's always something that, you know, you see an angle of things that enable you to innovate, enable you to give meaning to your house and to your label. So I certainly believe that there's definitely a signature of that in Casa Dragones. So I, I think that attributes to certain characteristics of what we do. And will you talk a little bit about the name and, and how you decided to call the tequila Casa Dragones? And I mean, as I said, I, I got to visit the house in San Miguel, a very historic building that is the only one in the entire town of San Miguel that's been allowed to be painted your signature blue. I'd love to have you share a little bit about the blue and about the history of the name. When I had the privilege of teaming up with my co-founder, Bob Pittman, who's a founder of MTV and the current chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia, big American entrepreneur, really a, has been an incredible privilege to be able to be co-founders together. And Bob owned two houses in San Miguel de Allende. And this one of those houses was La Casa Dragones. And when we were building the foundation of our company, all of our meetings were in San Miguel de Allende. San Miguel became our spiritual home, really where we cemented and formalized our partnership. We wanted to find a name that truly represented what we're trying to do in the tequila industry. We want to be known as independent and rebellious producers that are really pushing the conversation of tequila production into the future and that we have the courage to explore and innovate. So when we learn about all the story of the cavalry of San Miguel de Allende that masterminded the movement of Mexican independence, without their courage and the freedom of thought, that history wouldn't be the same. I had the fortune to work with a woman that was doing her PhD on the history of this cavalry. She gave me classes every Thursday to learn all about, you know, their history, learn about their traditions, learn about their, even their fashion, and found so much richness in that story. In the history of the house, Recreo 16 is in the archive of the state of Guanajuato, that it used to be the stables of this cavalry. Then that completely gave us all the ammunition to call ourselves Casa Dragones and then to build our story inspired on this, on this movement and on its cavalry. And then 
coming back to the story of craftsmanship and the sophistication of Mexico, what a better spot than San Miguel de Allende to tell that story, right? It's a World Heritage Site by UNESCO, one of the most elegant colonial towns in all Mexico, and really now a culinary center, an artistic center, and a melting pot as well, right? Where you have people from Mexico that are coming from, because it's in the center of Mexico, we have people coming from Veracruz, we have people coming from Querétaro, from Aguascalientes, from León, from Jalisco, from Michoacán. You can drive from all these places. And then you have, you know, a lot of people coming from all over the world to make San Miguel their home. We loved what that meant for it to be our spiritual home. And that's where the name Casa Dragones comes from. And what about the blue? So the blue, we go to the Museum of Allende in El Jardín in San Miguel de Allende. It actually, their, their flag had this color blue and also their outfits. You can't believe how they went to battle, how elegant they went to battle. Their color of their, of their jackets was this color blue. So we wanted to find you in Mexican architecture and design. We're not shy in the usage of color in Mexico. So we wanted to find a color that was in sync with the usage of color of Mexican design and architecture, and also that was uniquely ours. And then we were inspired by their color and that's where it came from. You know, we wanted to find the elegance of color that enabled us to also be identifiable in that category and in honor of these courageous cavalry. That's amazing. And the house has now been restored and beautifully filled with design and artisanship from throughout Mexico. Can you talk a little bit about what the purpose of the House of Casa Dragones is? I mean, as I said, I, I got an amazing tasting there. It was the perfect setting to understand and do the exploration of your tequilas. But it represents a lot more than that. It represents the heritage and the artisanship of Mexico in a really beautiful way. And, and I know it was years in coming together. Yeah. So as part of a, it's since it's our spiritual home and prior to, to doing the renovation, we had already hosted pairing dinners and special parties and uh, incredible tastings and had built all this collection of special moments where people, where we bring Casa Dragones to life and we host people from all over the world. And we really wanted to continue to tell the story of Mexican craftsmanship. So we created an incredible team that we've working with for many years. So Mayor Davis, Will Meyer, that has seen us grow since day one and did our first tasting room in San Miguel de Allende. Marco Valle, who's a local architect from San Miguel de Allende to do the renovation of the house. And then invited to help us do a special curation. We wanted to tell the story of mid-century Bajio and see how that has influenced design today. And Anelena is one of the most well-respected Mexican curators. We did our 10th year anniversary in Bolena, Marco, and Will were in our 10th year anniversary. So that's when we did the pitch. And when uh, they all said yes, we got super excited. And then we know COVID hit and all the rest of the things that came along. That took more years for us to do, but we wanted to have kind of like an embassy for Mexican design where people can come and really look at the depth and the richness and the influence that Bajio has had in design today in, in Mexico. So we have truly unique pieces, one by one, all over the house that people can take inspiration from and learn from. And then we can to tell this great story of craftsmanship of Mexico that I think is continues to be a story that needs to be widespread around the world. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and you talked about how you do these wonderful tastings and pairings at the house. Do you personally have 
a favorite of your tequilas for, let's say, making a margarita? I know I've, sipping, I think you already mentioned, is the first one that you made. Or favorite foods that you love to pair with your various tequilas? Definitely, when we have a chef in the house or we have a mixologist at the house, what we do is either take them around to make sure that we're exploring the Bajillo ingredients and then let them come with their own inspiration and translation. We are experts in tequila. We let chefs and mixologists come up with their own inspiration. So seeing that exercise and what they come with to the house and how every single experience by a different chef is a mixology is completely different and how they interpret the complexity of our products into a menu. I think for that's my favorite thing for me. We've had plant-based dinners that have completely blown ourselves away. One of my favorite pairings is with Casa Dragones Joven, which is with oysters. We've had chefs from all over the U.S. and all over Mexico that end up with pairings of oysters. And, you know, we have all of our pairings and all of our cocktails in our website. I would strongly recommend to explore there. But we do have tequila tastings at the house. You can go to our website or email concierge at casadragones.com for more information. We have daily tastings and we have a program called the Pairing Table Dinner. So you can reserve the house for specific pairing, pairing table dinners, which is a very beautiful experience. And we also have private events that we put together for people passing by San Miguel de Allende. Would love for people to come and visit us. Yeah, and as I said, it is a very, very special experience. I was lucky to do that recently. So how do you look towards the future, Berta? You are clearly coming from a place of passion and your love for tequila, but you are a continuous explorer and inventor. What do you see next for the brand? Well, we just introduced our fourth expression. So that is kind of like what we're focusing. We introduced Casa Dragones Reposado Misunara. Tequila is the first tequila rested in Japanese oak from the north of Japan. We really took notes from the incredible job that Japanese whiskeys have done around the world. And we're very inspired by that. So we convinced the only independent cooperage out of the north of Japan that produces Misunara casks. And we've been exploring that particular relationship with our tequila. So it's truly a different expression. And I highly recommend you try it. So we're very focused right now in building that expression in the marketplace. We believe in the power of focus. So we have a long list of innovations that we will continue to explore. We always say that if, if we had the days had more hours, we definitely would have more expressions uh, <laughs> out there with the name of Casa Dragones. We have plenty more ideas where those came from. And we have the opportunity, we'll continue to surprise and enamor that tequila lover with new adventures. So we see in the future for ourselves that continued exploration and uh, continue to bring news to the tequila lover. That's really what our commitment is. That's fantastic. And I read recently that you are sponsoring some artist talks, a series called Future Dialogue at the gallery that recently opened in Chelsea as an outpost. What made you interested in sponsoring things like this? And how is tequila playing a role in connecting people and art? So given Mexico's position in the contemporary art world, when in, in art in general, we have partnered with a lot of different artists, art institutions, galleries, museums, and even we have a partnership with Art Basel. So the particular partnership that we have with Future Dialogues with Curimansuto Gallery, which is one of the most well-respected Mexican galleries in the world, they just opened their gallery in New York. 
for those that are listening to this, I highly, highly recommend it that you add it to your must-visit list of galleries in New York. And they started with a program called Future Dialogues. Their first one was this past Saturday in New York with Minerva Cuevas. And for us, we're really excited to participate on that. Tequila is also an art form. So if we can express our craftsmanship together with them, we believe that it's a great place for us to bring our products to life. Is that truly we have a dynamic tradition of exploration, inquiry, and we believe that aligning ourselves with the art world, it's also a celebration of exploration and inquiry. And Mexico has such a presence in contemporary art. They're also entrepreneurs themselves, the galleries and the artists. So we share that passion in common. And there's a lot of celebration that comes with the art world. So that's how we've gotten aligned. We've collaborated with, as I said, Art Basel. We've collaborated with artists from all over the world. We've done special editions, like the one we did with Gabriel Orozco. Gabriel invited us to serve in his Midnight Retrospective, and we followed him around the world to the MoMA, the Pompidou, the Tate Museum in London. And then after that Midnight Retrospective, he wanted to gift Casa Dragones to his museum directors, curators, galleries, and collectors. So we decided to do a special edition to do that. So every single exploration that we've done in collaboration that we've done with artists has had a truly organic meaning to us. And there's many more news to come from us in that respect. Exciting. Okay. And I know you divide personally, I know right now you're in tequila, but often you divide your time really between New York and your hometown of Mexico City, which are both very vibrant, dynamic cities with a lot of creativity. Can you give me an example of your sort of the perfect day in Mexico City for you? Yeah. I mean, both cities have so much in common, but then they're so completely different. Mexico City it has a very different kind of like schedule than New York in terms of business. So a perfect day for me in Mexico City, if it's a work day, you know, it's going to, we have a small office in Polanco. So start my day in, my, in the office in Polanco. And then I do love the lunchtime in Mexico City. So going for a proper launch in Mexico City, whether it's for friends or for business, there's a moment that kind of like everything turns off and you're at lunch and it's fully focused on that. And I love that about Mexico City, you know, the moment of how the table plays such an important role in, in the social life. So that's one that I enjoy the most. You have to share one or two places that you love going for lunch in Mexico City. One of my favorite lunch places of all time is definitely Contramar. It's actually difficult to go for an hour and a half lunch. It's also like a very social place. You end up seeing a lot of people that you may not have seen in a long time. And really the, the menu and the tradition that's there is quite unique. I also love going to San Angelin. I grew up around that area. So for me to go to San Angelin, it always kind of like brings me back to a very familial feeling. And uh, depends where you are in the city. For those that are Mexico City enthusiasts, you know that you have to like stay within an area. Otherwise, you're going to spend a lot of your day in traffic. And then in the afternoon, depending on what I have to do for work, I love going to a gallery or two. And then I think one of the things that I also love to do is tough to describe a, a favorite day, but I also love to do what's happening in mixology in Mexico City is really incredible. So hop to one or two bars. I mean, at least that's, you know, part of my industry. So a favorite day in Mexico. And also family, of course, because I live in between New York and, and Mexico City, figuring out that way to include my family in what I'm doing is also very important to me. 
Fantastic. And are there one or two galleries that you always make sure that you visit in Mexico City and similarly bars that you might share? Yeah. So in terms of galleries, I love to go to Curimansuto Gallery in Mexico City, OMR, Labor. OMR just opened a new spot called Lago, where you can actually have lunch and also go and see the exhibit. But there's so many galleries in Mexico City that would be highly recommended. The other thing to do is also try and get artist studio visits if you can. In terms of cocktail bars, lovely Mantour, great, incredible bar. I also love Handshake, which is also an incredible creative bar. And Ticucci, that is an Enrique Olvera property that's in Polanco. And I love what they offer in terms of a menu. And they have a beautiful cocktail list that evolves by the season. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And what about travel destinations? Are there favorite places outside of New York and Mexico City where you like to spend time? Yeah, I spend a lot of time. I'm in tequila right now. Within the business of tequila, being in tequila is really one of my favorite places to be. Just like being close to to land and being close to where we actually produce. Yesterday, for example, we always go in, in the morning for a great run up the mountain and down the mountain with a whole production team. So I love to do that. And tequila really is a very special place. Guadalajara is one of my favorite cities. It has a completely flavor of its own from culinary to design to also galleries. It's really, really an incredible city. Apart from San Miguel de Allende, tequila in Guadalajara, I love to spend time in Oaxaca in the beach, close to Puerto Escondido. I spend a lot of time there. There's so much beauty in the beaches of Oaxaca that I truly highly recommend. In New York, I love to escape to the Hamptons. I think it's a beautiful enclave that I truly enjoy. But I'm really a world traveler. When I, As an entrepreneur, I don't always have as much time as I would like for leisure travel, but I travel a lot for business. Being an entrepreneur in the tequila category enables me to travel around the world. And I really have in, you know, in my list of, of wishes is satisfying never-ending curiosities. And I really believe that when I travel, that really like, it nourishes me to truly be creative and bring learnings from different parts of the world into my life, into my craft. What's on your list of places that you're interested in going next? If you had a wish list and you had more time, what, what's high up there? High up there is Japan. So Japan was one of the countries that had their borders closed for the longest time. I think also from a craftsmanship perspective, since we just introduced our Misunara style tequila, I continue to be exposed to the beauty and the, and the depth of Japanese culture is something that I'm very focused on right now. So that's in my list. The second one would be Africa. I've never been. So I'm probably going to reach out to you, Melissa, okay. for some recommendations. <laughs> Happy to help and open that world to you. Would love to, in fact. Yeah. So that's in my list. And I would love to do it with Vindigare. Those are two big trips that I have in my list. I do love going to places that I've been before. I fell in love last summer to Mallorca, where it is, the beauty that it offers, but also how cosmopolitan it is and how you can move around Europe through the Mallorca experience. So I'm a little bit into Mallorca right now. <laughs> and I think that the, the cities like London and Paris, I'm definitely a, an urban lover. So I uh, love spending time in urban centers finding inspiration on the complexity and the richness of creativity that happens in, in urban centers. I also thank very much. Yeah, I'm with you. I think there are very direct lines of creative inspiration that come from the land that you talked about. 
but also from just the urban complexity of, of places that are different. Yeah, I think the combination of both factors really enables you to continue to be inspired and humbling but about like all the different things that are happening in the world. And I'm sure that that's how you chose your own craft. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm very lucky to be constantly inspired by dynamic people and places, and they offer a great ability to just constantly increase your perspective and, and keep you inspired and enthusiastic. So two last questions, Berta. I'd love to know, since I was just in San Miguel and I didn't get to ask you this, favorite restaurants or bars in San Miguel? Well, I feel like uh, my home away from home in San Miguel, from a hotel perspective, I love Hotel Matilda. I love also the Rosewood San Miguel de Allende. Those are two amazing options. There's a lot of action, the live aqua. There's a lot of, you know, diversity of hotels that we love staying there and enjoying. Since we were doing the renovation in La Casa Dragones, I really had that opportunity to stay all around town and see kind of like the richness of offering that is happening everywhere. From a restaurant perspective, I just literally this past Saturday had a lunch for the first time at Ortus, H-O-R-T-U-S. It's a new restaurant by Sandra Vasquez. It's right in El Jardín. You have the view of El Jardín. It's a small, beautiful, gorgeous, has a beautiful bar. So you can sit outside for your drink and then come back inside and then you're having dinner inside and then you can hear the mariachi from a distance. It's truly a, a, a great new place to discover. And also I love Atrio, which has an incredible view of the town and with the incredible restaurateurs of San Miguel de Allende. They're the original La Sotea restaurant, really that is an original embassy in San Miguel de Allende. And one of my favorites as well is from Chef Donnie Masterton, the restaurant that's really two blocks away from La Casa Dragones. And I love that Donnie has the main restaurant, the bar in the back, and then he also has the Japanese bar with a DJ booth. So he offers in a, in a space a large diversity of experiences. And then his, him as a chef is incredible. We do many collaborations with, with Donnie in La Casa Dragones when we serve pairing dinner. The beauty of San Miguel de Allende is its people. You first fall in love with the architecture. And then once you get deeper into the town and you meet all this wide array of entrepreneurs that each one of them is bringing something truly unique. Some of our best friends in the world live in San Miguel de Allende. My agenda in San Miguel de Allende sometimes is even more busy socially than it is in Mexico City or New York City. It's like there's always so many things and so many people to connect with. In terms of bars, there's Bequeb which is from Fabiola Padilla. It really has a beautiful setting. You can enjoy the sunset and her craft. She is really one of Mexico's new promises in terms of mixology. So if you have the chance when she's behind the bar, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Uh, highly recommend. And of course, I'm going to recommend and plug in Casa Dragones, the Obsidian Bar. In La Casa Dragones, we are about to open a very special Friday-Saturday mixology experience at the Obsidian Bar. We brought the Obsidian from our fields here in, in Tequila, Jalisco. We covered our walls with the Obsidian from our fields. That's why we call it the Obsidian Bar. It's a great place for a tequila tasting, but it also will be a great place for us to surprise you with our new agenda of mixology at La Casa Dragones. Oh, how fun. Well, it gives me another reason to go back. That bar is just gorgeous and in that garden area outside. So I will have to come back when you're there, Berta, and we'll have a drink together. We'll be waiting for you. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. I love hearing your passion and your knowledge, and it's super exciting to spend time with you. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. I enjoy it as well very much. Thank you for inviting me. I want to thank Berta for her time today. I hope this conversation inspired you to plan a trip to Mexico 
and San Miguel, and perhaps to try Casa Dragona's tequila if you haven't already. Coming up after the break, I'll be sharing travel tips for visiting the mountainous colonial town in central Mexico of San Miguel de Allende. Passport to Everywhere with Melissa Biggs Bradley will continue. Listen to new episodes Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Sirius XM Business Radio Channel 132. Experience life without borders. You're listening to Passport, Passport to, to Everywhere. Everywhere. Here's your host, Melissa Biggs Bradley. This week on Destination Hacks, I'll be sharing some of my tips for getting the most of your trip to San Miguel de Allende. San Miguel de Allende, the small mountainous colonial town in central Mexico, has been one of my favorite destinations for quite some time. So much so that I've repeatedly hosted some of our most popular insider journey or small group trips there. On my most recent visit, I hosted a trip in partnership with Architectural Digest. I like to call San Miguel a photographer and design lover's dream. With exquisite cuisine, terrific five-star hotel options, renowned artistry, historic architecture, gorgeous views, and an overall slow pace of life, it's no wonder that the city was designated a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 2008, and it has only continued to gain popularity since then. In spite of it all, the destination remains pristine and seemingly untouched, thanks in part to its somewhat remote location. So let's start with how you get there. The process of getting to San Miguel can sometimes deter travelers, though to me, the travel involved is exactly what keeps it from becoming over-touristed and a large part of what makes the city so alluring and so authentic. San Miguel de Allende is between a three- and four-hour drive from Mexico City, depending upon the traffic, so it makes it a perfect add-on to any Mexico City itinerary. Most travelers fly in and out of Mexico City's international airport. For many, especially my fellow East Coast travelers, this is the easiest way to arrive. Although you can technically connect from Mexico City to a flight into Querétaro or León, both of which are about an hour's drive or less to San Miguel. Or you could take one of the luxury buses that run the route between the two destinations regularly. We recommend hiring a private car and driver for the most seamless experience. For those traveling from or transiting through Texas, though, your journey is now far more palatable with the introduction of new nonstop flights from Dallas and Houston into both Querétaro and Lyon. No matter how you arrive, once you're there, you will be overcome with a sense of ease and wonder. The small city is packed with vibrance, from its colorful facades and its flavorful dishes to its rich history and festive celebrations. There's something exciting around every corner. Yet while much of it jumps right out at you, there are also hidden gems to be discovered behind nondescript building fronts and in more discreet neighborhoods. My favorite example is La Casa Dragones. As discussed earlier in the episode with Berta, the recently renovated headquarters of Casa Dragones is small and relatively unassuming from the street, save for its trademark blue facade. However, when you enter, you are met with a lush, jungle-like corridor that leads you directly into an exquisite inner courtyard and stunning obsidian bar. La Casa also has a rooftop, and it makes for the perfect private event space for special group dinners or celebrations. Unlocking Casa Dragonas is the key to unlocking the city itself, and you'll see the tequila offered at nearly every bar and restaurant in town. 
Another of my favorites, especially when traveling with a small group, is to visit their tequila tasting room. Tucked away in the back corner of Doce 18 Concept House, which, by the way, also has some very good shopping, but I'll get to that next. The intimate room has been dubbed the tiniest tequila bar in the world. It seats just six people maximum and is available by reservation only. Now on to shopping. Artisanship abounds in San Miguel Allende, and you'll want to leave space in your carry-on for the treasures that you acquire. I mentioned Doce 18 Concept House, which has some terrific pop-ups. But you should also check out El Nuevo Mundo for local handcrafted wares, home decor, jewelry, accessories, and more. And of course, I need to talk about food. The tasting menu at Aperi is absolutely not to be missed. Moxie, which is located in the Hotel Matilda, is another reservation worth making. As is Luna Tapas Bar on the rooftop at the Rosewood, even if only for a quick drink as you enjoy the incredible sunset views. And be sure to swing by Cumpano, the bakery-slash-restaurant around the corner from Casa Dragones. Stop in for a quick bite at lunch. I recommend the chicken sandwich. And pick up some of their famous breads from the bakery side on your way out. And at night, don't miss a stop by Tacos San Francisco, a small taco truck that you'll immediately recognize from its line. I'm sure you're also now wondering where to stay on your trip. The Rosewood is hands down the most sprawling and luxurious hotel option in the area. But there is no shortage of variety. Another resort-like option is the contemporary Live Aqua Hotel, situated on the northern edge of town. It has 150 guest rooms and suites and five bars and restaurants. There's also a variety of boutique hotels and private homes to consider for your stay, such as Hotel Matilda and Casa Arca, which is part of Doce 18. Finally, people often ask me questions about safety in Mexico. And I can tell you that on my visits, including just this past spring, I have felt extremely safe walking around central San Miguel. It's a small, friendly, and entirely walkable city. Given its hilly topography and cobblestone streets, it's perhaps not the best choice for those with mobility restrictions and you should wear flat shoes, but otherwise, it's a warm and welcoming spot. I have found it to be as safe as many of the other destinations I've had the pleasure of visiting, and I do plan to return. I hope that this episode inspires you to make a visit to San Miguel. And for any details, look at our show notes on the places I've mentioned. Coming up on new episodes, I'll be taking you to the Scottish Highlands and to Fogo Island in Canada, as well as back to Charleston to speak with the Chief Executive Officer of the new International African American Museum, Dr. Tanya Matthews. I'd love to hear any travel hacks you'd like to hear me address on the show, any guests you'd like me to interview, and of course, your questions. So leave a message at 646-535-7297. Send us a note on Instagram at Indigari Travel or write us an email at passport at SiriusXM.com. Thank you for tuning in. And please do rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts so others can discover our show. Find more episodes of Passport to Everywhere with Melissa Biggs-Bradley streaming now on all podcast platforms. And anytime on the SXM app. Follow Melissa on Instagram at at Indigari Founder. And for more on Melissa, head to Indigari.com. I-N-D-A-G-A-R-E. Send us your questions about travel. Passport at SiriusXM.com. Or call us at 646-535-7297. This has been Passport to Everywhere. everywhere.